Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our weekday email devotional. We call it Unpack This, where we take a sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and you can subscribe for free on unpackingit.com. We have got an awesome guest for you today. He's one of the best running backs of all time. He's Eric Dickerson, and he still holds the record for the most yards in a season, 2,105. And I was looking at that list today uh, of players that have actually had 2,000 or more rushing yards in a regular season. There's only seven. It's Eric Dickerson and O.J. Simpson, Barry Sanders, Terrell Davis, Jamal Lewis, Chris Johnson, and Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is the last guy to do it back in 2012. And and I would put Adrian Peterson on the list as of one of the, the best running backs ever. I, I think you, know, you always have to go by era. But for me, so I started watching football probably mid-90s. And so my list is... Barry Sanders, LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson. Emmett Smith has got to be in there too. For me personally, he's, I don't know, just with the Cowboys, I guess. <laughs> it's hard for me to admit Emmett Smith, but uh, those would be the running backs that come to mind for me. And Marshall Falk, those, those are the ones. Terrell Davis was, was great, and I was a Broncos fan during that time, but he had a short career. So maybe that takes a little bit away from from that. Um, And then Chris Johnson was awesome as well. I don't know if he was a complete back uh, enough, but those are some of the guys. We've we've had Matt Forte on the show. He's always one of my favorite running backs as well. Uh, He had a really great career. But LaDainian Tomlinson, he's as good as anybody just as a complete back. I I loved his game. He dominated for so long. So Eric Dickerson, though, as far as all-time running backs go, he is right up there. Uh, as one of the best. He's a Hall of Famer, and so it's a real honor to have him on the show today. And I actually had the chance to meet him last summer, and he spoke at the Charlotte Touchdown Club, uh, a lunch that I, I used to go to when we were allowed to meet in large gatherings, and he was great. And he, he talked about his faith and told some great stories And when he spoke. And so today on the show, you're going to get some of that as well. But this interview coming up, you're going to be inspired. You're going to be encouraged. And the honesty, the transparency, uh, he gets emotional. He He's very genuine in describing his life and stories. And, and really, he talks about, talks about God. He talks about his faith. And it's, it's incredible to hear uh, a, a lot of, of what Eric Dickerson has experienced. And so I uh, appreciate him being a part of the show today. Uh, before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need your own health insurance? 
will go to healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Support them as they support us. Also, if you are a subscriber to the Unpacking It podcast, you also receive the Audible Minute from Nate Sally, former Carolina Panther and Ohio State Buckeye. He gives you an encouraging word. So hopefully you've been listening to that. That is brought to you by Paradigm 360 Coaching and Consulting. And so we appreciate their support of Unpacking It and the Audible Minute. Stick around at the end of the conversation. We'll talk about the interview, and I'll unpack some of the, the key takeaways. And it's, it's so cool to, to, to be able to, to meet Eric and then a year later have him on the show. But I have to say this. So last year at the lunch, we had our intern for the summer in Charlotte. His name's Luke, and, and he's now still a part of Unpacking It a year later. Uh, we hired him, and so we love having him a part of the, the, the team, and he'll probably end up listening to this podcast. But we at the Charlotte Touchdown Club, they do these giveaways. So when a, when a guest comes, and he'll sign a bunch of stuff and do giveaways, football, helmet, and all that sort of thing. So intern Luke gets a raffle ticket. Somebody else bought that raffle ticket for him, the person that hosts our table. And Luke ends up winning two different items. I mean, he, he cleaned up. So he goes home, and he's even younger than me. He goes home with a bunch of Eric Dickerson gear and doesn't even consider leaving that gear in the Unpacking It studio so that now a year later when I'm actually talking to Eric Dickerson on the show, it would be nice to have you know his, his helmet or football, I forget what all he signed, you know, sitting here displayed in the studio. So Luke... I hope you enjoy the memorabilia. I hope it's displayed prominently wherever you are. I'm still a little bummed that that I, for one, that I didn't win. And then intern Luke doesn't say, you know what? Let me give this to, to Bryce. He was kind enough to bring me to this lunch. Forget about it. No, I'm just kidding. I would do the same thing. So I can't, I can't, I can't rip on Luke. I can't do it. I can't. I, I, I want to, but I, I would have to do the same thing because I'm not letting go of sports memorabilia. I'm I'm a big collector and love all that stuff, especially stuff that you win for free. Are you kidding me? So, without further ado, let's jump in. Here is Eric Dickerson joining us with no Eric Dickerson memorabilia to be found. Enjoy. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on Unpacking It is the Hall of Fame running back, Eric Dickerson. He spent 11 seasons in the NFL after being drafted second overall in the 1983 draft by the L.A. Rams. He also spent time with the Colts, Raiders, and Falcons. He still holds the NFL's single-season rushing record with 2,105 yards set in 1984. He's still active in the L.A. Rams community, and you can also hear him on radio or TV as an analyst. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing awesome and, and, and glad to talk with you today. And, and for the most part, I'm, I'm optimistic about the upcoming NFL season, uh, but there's still some, some question marks. And so I'm curious, if you were playing in the NFL right now, what would your approach be to the upcoming season? You know, it's, that's a tough call. 
You know, it really is because you know you got so many people on a, on a national on a, on the NFL team. You got all the players. You got you got more than fifty. That's a fifty-three man roster, but you probably have guys on taxi squad. So you got about almost seventy guys. Then you got coaches. Uh, you may have twenty coaches. Then you got personnel. You got writers. You got equipment guys. You got doctors. You know, you got a, pretty much a hundred hundred people on the football team and keeping everyone healthy. It's just going to be I'm almost just going to be impossible. I mean, mm-hmm. because if one offensive lineman gets sick, just one, I mean, pretty much. And those guys are so close together. Then you got to quarantine everybody. And how do you go from you got six offensive linemen and now you have none? Or you got you got and you got a game coming up in, say, four, three or four days. I just I just find it's going to be impossible. You know, I just my, my the most important thing is, is, is help, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, a lot of these guys have families. And then I've already heard that. Some of the players that you know that have made a lot of money say, "Man, I'm not playing. I mean, I just I've got a family I've got to worry about, and that's true. I mean, they've got parents. They got some of the parents are older, and this it'll, it'll be a sad day if we lose anyone, any player. And it's a sad day losing anyone, anybody's life, not even players, but just anyone who lost a family, a loved one, to this virus. I mean, and you're talking about sport like football, and football is the ultimate ultimate contact sport. <laughs> I mean, no kidding. You can't get any more contact in football. So I don't see how it's gonna work. I think they might try to make it work, but I don't see how it's gonna work to be honest with you. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Of course the, the fan side of me want wants to see it, but but like you say, it, it is all about the health and, and so we have to, to care about that and, and put that as, as priority for sure. Well, what about for you? How has the, the pandemic and the, and the virus and everything surrounding it, how, how has it affected you the last few months? How has it maybe grown you or, or challenged you? Or what has the experience been like? Uh, man, I got to say, you know, it's been okay. I mean, you know, um, you know, I've, I've been at home. You know, I've, we haven't really been anywhere. I mean, we go to Newport Beach this weekend. It's about, you know, 70 miles away, stayed at a, a resort out there with the kids. I have young kids. I have a, da- a daughter that's 14, and I have a son that's eight. You know, I have an older daughter that's 33 and a granddaughter. But I took my, my my young kids, you know, to 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 resort. You know, and when my daughter's about to try to possibly go back to school, and she hasn't had, and you know, we usually go somewhere, you know, for the summer, you know, at least for a week or two, and I haven't done that. But you know, you know I, I try to get them to understand that, you know, they're blessed, and in so many ways, I mean, to do things that they that a lot of people don't get a chance to do. I mean, we live in Southern California. I thank God I have a beautiful home that God would say that God gave me. That's the only reason I have this house and, uh, you know, and so many other things, you know, that, you know, that, you know, I, where I live, you know, we have a, a four-wheeler, a ranger, it's, like, it's actually a, like a vehicle they can drive and we take them out and ride around. You know, they have things they can do. I'm not stuck in an apartment, which I feel for people like that, that have mm. stuck in an apartment with two or three kids. And that's hard. I, I know how blessed I am. And, I, and I'll say this much here, you know, for me, just yesterday, and I, I do it, I do, I do it every day. I was walking through my house. And I just got on my knees and said, God, thank you. Just thank you for it. Because mm-hmm. I know that's why I have it. I mean, I know, like I say, there's no way I could afford this house right now. And, 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 and you know, not playing ball. And, you know, I bought it in 1986. Wow. <laughs> which a, a, a long time ago. And after I thank God, I bought it. And, then, and, then, and then it's the house he gave me. I always tell people to come here. This is the house he gave me. He gave it to me. I didn't. It's because of his grace that I have it. And I just thank him for it. And I think I've been able to maintain it and keep it. And, 
make it look like it's brand new still. People think it's uh, people think I've been here like eight or ten years. I've been here for over thirty five years in this house. Wow. Well, that that's fascinating to me because my family we actually just moved across town to a, a different house, and and so it's it's crazy to hear that that someone would stay in one house for for that long. But I love that uh, about you because you know you think back to my grandparents or, or whatever living in the same house for so long. There's something so special about that. So how did you decide to do that? I'm I'm kind of fascinated by that. Well, you know, as a kid, I always wanted a big house. I mean, I didn't have any way of getting a big house because we didn't have any money. But I was, I always fantasized of having a big house on a hill. That's what I wanted. And you know, I won't forget. I was looking for homes. You know, I was playing. I was trying to look for homes. I built, I bought my first condo down in Orange County, uh, in Irvine. As a matter of fact, I just went by my old house about a month ago just to look at it. My old condo because oh, <laughs> I was in nice. Irvine. So um, I went to move into L.A. or somewhere in L.A. So a girl that I was dating, she lived, she used to live out in Westlake. And uh, so she, we came out here one day just driving around looking. And uh, I came through, came down Pacific Coast Highway and cut up, cut up Malibu Canyon right past Pepperdine. And as I was riding, I saw this house, this house I'm living up on the hill. I'm like, man, that's a pretty house. And it's big. So I just, I said, let's ride up to it. So we drove up to it. And at that time, they, they put the price outside of the house, you know, with the broker's name. It was $3 million. I'm like, oh, well, I know I can't afford that. And I'm playing with the land. <laughs> so uh, make a long story short, uh, a guy, her, uh, another guy, that girl that I knew, she said that uh, they had a house. Because they know looking for homes. They had a house in Calabasas. It's, it says Malibu, Malibu Canyon. They have a house that they're looking to, to try to sell. So it's a spec home. I'm like, okay. So my off day was on Tuesday. I came over here. And as I'm driving up, I came a different route. I pull up to that, pull toward the house. I'm like, I know that house. I found like that house like a year and a half ago. He said, well, yeah, it's been sitting for a year and a half. It's just brand new. No one's ever lived in it. So, man, when I walked into, when I walked into the house, Bryce, and as soon as I walked in, I'm like, oh, I loved it. Wow. I mean, I just loved it. I mean, I fell in love with it. I just, I just knew that this was the house for me. I'm serious. And so I didn't know how I was going to get it. I, had, I mean, when I said I had no clue, I mean, I had no clue I was going to get this house. Huh. So make a long story short, I still was looking for homes and, you know, they say well, they, they wanted the, the price had dropped from three million to one eight. I'm like, I can't afford no one eight on my house. <laughs> you know, I'm making two hundred thousand dollars. So um, I kind of forgot about it. And then the 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 girl called me and said, hey, Eric, see, you found a house yet? I said, No, I'm still looking. She said, Well, the house you looked at, my brother-in-law. He said, He's just gonna put you in touch with the owner of the house. She just put you in touch. You can just talk directly to him. And he was my age. He was, oh. he was my age. His dad owned all the property. I'm like, Okay. So we met at we met at the racetrack in San Diego, Del at Del, like Del Mar, at a Del Mar. So he said they don't give, and he said Eric, I said you want to buy my house? I said yeah, I like to I like to buy the house. And he said, well, what you want to give me for it? I never forgot what he first said. That's what he said. What do I say? What do I want to give you for it? <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, he said no, that's okay. Well, I'll be afraid. He said, you know the price? I said the price is a million seven. He said yeah. He said, well, you know, I make, I make it knock off, you know, a hundred thousand, make it two hundred thousand, make it like a million five. I said, man, I can't afford that. I said, that's too. He said, well, you're a pro football player. I said, but I play for the Rams, so that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we went back and forth, back and forth, and and for I mean, for hours, I was out there, I was out there about six hours. Wow. So finally, I won't forget. I said, Brian. I said, and I made it my final offer. I said, Brian, this is my final offer, and I'll tell you, my house is it's uh on two and a half acres, sits on a hill, it's mm-hmm. uh, almost ten thousand square feet. I got six bedrooms, seven, eight, and, I think eight, eight baths, eight and a half, seven and a half baths. And so I said, it's my final offer. I said, I'll give you a million fifty thousand for that house. And I'll never forget his reply. Because oh. he wanted a million, he wanted a million five. He said, I'll tell you what, Eric. He said, I'll sell it to you for the million fifty, 
but I'm going to rise up as a main one and I kick you back 50 just to keep your value up in the neighborhood. I said, you got it. You got a deal. Wow. And that's how I bought my, and that's how I bought my house. And I've been here ever since. And I just thank the good Lord for it every single day. Really, I do because that's how, that's how good it's been to me. And, 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 and I'm just thinking I have it. That's awesome. What, what a great story. And, and, and I, I imagine that th- this house represents the you know the dream fulfilled and and God's goodness to to get you to you know the the point of the the career that you ended up having and and so it continues to be that I guess that that rem, the reminder of of His faithfulness is that is that fair to say? Well, no doubt. I mean, seriously, no doubt. And look, I mean, all of us have had our trials and tribulations, financial ups and downs. I have too. I mean, all of us have. You know, uh, you know, just going through things, uh, personal, personal ups and downs, financial ups and downs, personal, you know, just, just, just things in life. That's how life is. Life is never, it's never easy. And it's never was meant to be easy here. No. Uh, but I got to say through everything, you know, um, and I grew up in a Christian home now and I, and I can tell you, uh, my dad was, was the best man I ever knew. Wow. And I was adopted. I, I was adopted. I mean, my great, great aunt adopted me and that's, that document gave me the name Dickerson. They legally adopted me. And he was not my biological dad. That's the best man I ever knew. And mm. he was a true Christian. And I mean, and I didn't really know what that meant. And people say, because he was there, he said, you'll know what a true Christian is. A Christian doesn't have to save the Christian. You know, and that, and that was a key. My dad died when I was 17. Ah. And I just never forgot some of the things he taught me and told me. And even though, you know, you don't want to hear it being young, you know, because you're a young kid and, you know, talking about God. I mean, that ain't, that ain't popular. You know, that's not popular mm. because, you know, dying, that's not going to happen to you. You know, mm. I'm a kid. That's not going to happen for me. That's what you think. You know, him talking about, son, one day I'm going to die. I won't be here. And I'm, 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 I, want to, I want you to come where I'm going. I mean, he would say that to me like that. I don't want to hear about that kind of stuff. It's his son. He said, death is a part of life. And the funny thing about that is, is now I find myself talking to my kids the same way. Yeah. And they say, I don't want to hear that, dad. I said, look, that's it. Death is a part of life. I say, just like my dad used to tell me, I'm telling you, I want you to be prepared for it because I said, I want to go see my dad again, you know, and my mom again, because, you know, he was just a, a just a good all around man. I mean, you didn't have to save the Christian. You knew it. Hmm. You you knew it the way he talked, the way he talked about God. I won't forget it was a guy. It was a, it was a guy that I know in my hometown. He said, Eric, he said, I never met your dad. He said, but my grandmother talked about your dad. He said, my grandmother liked nobody. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> She said, she said she liked nobody. And I mean, he said she liked nobody. He said she talked about everybody. She did, but when she talked about Carrie Dickerson, she said, that is a good Christian man. That man is just what you see with him. And so I got that part, you know, from my mom and my dad. And, and, and for sure, like, I think all of us, we go away from our faith. I mean, when I went to, because I, I grew up going to church, going to revival, Sunday school, and I'm like, when I got to college, I said, you know what? I'm not going to no more church. Hmm. I'm done with this church thing. I mean, I just got sick of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never, I'll never forget, just like anything, you know, it, it comes back to you. It, it, it came back to me. And, and, and I'm going to tell you how it came back to me. In yeah. a sense. I, had a, I had a dream. And I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that I dream. And my dreams, ever since I was a kid, my dreams are like movies. Hmm. They're just so realistic. And I had, and I was doing all kinds of stuff. No, not drugs and nothing like that. I never did drugs, but you know, just being wild, being a kid, you know, being in college, you know, staying out drinking. I wasn't a real drinking. I was drinking a little bit, you know, just doing the college, the college scene, and not going to church, not mm. even thinking about God. Mm. God wasn't. God was the. God was the last thing in my mind because I didn't want to hear anything about God. Uh, after my dad had dad had passed, I was kind of mad at God anyway, because mm. he took my father. Yeah. But so in so now one night I have a dream. My dream is, and I didn't. 
Jack I died, but I guess I knew I was dead. We were all, it was a bunch of us. We were herding onto an elevator by, did you see the movie Ghost? Yeah, with, with Patrick Swayze. They had these little imps with pitchforks. And they were all hurting us on this on this huge freight elevator. It was a bunch of people. And I'm only thing I kept crying and I just said I kept saying, God, please just give me one more chance. God, just please give me one more chance. But I knew we were going to hell. It was taking us all to hell. And we put us on this 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 uh this freight elevator. There was like fifty of us. And the freight elevator it had a it had a, a window that was a long window all the way around it. The window was like probably about eh, maybe like 10 or 12 inches high. You could mm. see, you could see outside the window. You curved all the way around it, the whole elevator. And when the, the elevator got on it, and all of a sudden it went, the doors closed, boom, and it started going down. Wow. And you could see the difference in the rock as the rock was changing from like from light to a little darker to darker to the to the rock outside the the, the window was pitch black, wow. and it was starting to get hot on that elevator. We got down, and all of a sudden it stopped, and these doors opened, and as it opened you could see another huge window and you could see all these people as far as you could see were burning on fire and they were beating on the glass. Let me out, let me out, God, let me out. And I was like, Oh Lord, please give me, I thought I could say, God, give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. And they would take people off the elevator and they would open this, open this door and they throw them in there and they go, you need him screaming. They'd be like, let me out, let me out, let me out. And finally, I was the last one on this elevator. And I was just, all my prayer was, Lord, please give me one more chance. Just give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. And all of a sudden, I didn't hear anything anymore. And I opened my eyes, and I was on a, almost on a city street. Like, when you walk up some stairs, it was a city street. You walked up the stairs, I was going to be on a city street. And I opened my eyes. I was, I was in that area. Hmm. And the something said, you have one more chance. I never forgot that. Wow. And let me tell you. Man, I went back to my faith after that, going, you know, giving God all the praise. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but let me tell you, I know where my help comes. I know who my redeemer is. And so that dream for me, and I tell people about that dream. I, I've never forgotten it. That's and it was crystal clear. So you wow. know, um, that's powerful. That's just, yeah, and and it was powerful to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it it gives us a sense of urgency too. Uh, when you, you hear that story and you recognize that that is the reality and, and, you know, God used a dream to reveal that to you. And he does that for us in different ways. And so it's interesting that for you, it's, it's through dreams and, and to, to be so clear uh, with that message and then for you to respond to it and, and, and to, to understand that, to, to live your life that way. And, and, and so in, in thinking about kind of that sense of urgency, I, I've recognized on your Twitter page I mean, you are you post scripture and and you're sharing God's word basically every day, and and so it's it's so encouraging to see that. And so, how how do you kind of view the Bible, and and how did you decide to leverage your platform to share Bible verses so regularly? I just feel like that it's something that that we need. We 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 need we need something every day. I mean, because you know every day is a struggle. I mean, it really is. It's, it's never, I mean, some days are better than, than most days. It's, it's like your kids. You know, some days you have a, a good day with the kids. Some days it's a tough day with the kids. You know, you love them, but some days I have to discipline the kids. You know, the kid has to be, you know, if you want to make them stay at home or stay them in the corner, sometimes you have to spank your kid. I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't believe in that, but I believe in spanking my kids. I haven't, I haven't spanked my kids in years, but hmm. they know I will. <laughs> And sometimes it's just the fear of, of knowing that. So I think that's the same thing with God. I mean, 
look, we're, we're his children and we're not perfect by, by no means. Mm. And, and, and he doesn't expect us to be perfect. That's why, that's why Jesus Christ came and died for us, mm. Amen. you know, so we could, so we could have a, so we could have intercessors. So I go between, mm. it's just like if, 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 if you came to me and you would say you, you came to, 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 to a, a guy and say, you know what, man, I'd like to stay in that house up there on the hill. Mm. Man, you can't get to that house. I mean, uh-uh, you can, there's no way you can go stay in that house. But you came to my, if, if you knew my son, and you came to my son, and that's my son, you think your dad let me stay in that house? Sure, I'm going to go ask him for you. Mm. That's how that, and, and that's, that, that's how Jesus goes to God, hey, dad, do this for, for me, your, your son. Of course I do it for you, son. I mean, that's, uh, that he's our go-between. If not, if not for him, we have no one else. We have no go between because we're not worthy to go to, to God straight on. We we just not. I mean, none of us, you know. And and you know, I think the thing that gets me the most is is is, is I I'm t- I try to be a hypocrite. Like I said, I'm not perfect by no means, but all of us make mistakes. All of us are sinners. Mm. We we you you you're born in sin, you're gonna die in sin. You know, that's just that's just it. But you try to walk as close to God as you possibly can. Everybody's walk is different. Mm. Everybody's walk is a struggle. I say. I say, you know, being a Christian sometimes is like being an alcoholic. You have to take it a day at a time. Mm. I mean, you really do because you have good days and you have bad days. It's like when my dad died mm. and I was I was angry at God. I mean, but my dad died like he lived. My dad died a, you say, a peaceful death. My my father died at, at home. He had he had he had congestive heart failure. Failure. And that was back in the seventies when I said, Dad, why don't you get to, why don't you get a, a open heart surgery? He said, Son, I can't live through that. He was seventy two when he died. He said, I, I won't live through that. And that day he was supposed to go to the, to the doctor. And um, when our relatives was going to go take go and go take him, and I won't forget he said because he lived right next door. He said I, I called over to the house and he didn't answer. So he said I walked over walked over to him, and he said I walked in. I saw him laying on the floor, but he had his hands under his head like he was asleep. With his hat laying right next to him, mm. he said, "I called him because his name, name was they called him Uncle Dick. Uncle Dick." He said, he "Didn't answer." He said, I "Called him again." He said, "Man, I, I ran." He said, "Man, and got another guy." We came back. He said, and "The guy walked in, checking." He said, Dick, he, "He don't have a pulse, Bob." He said, "I think he's gone." He said, "But Eric, he said, if you just saw the way he was laying, he said he was laying there just like he laid down for a nap." Uh. He said, "And that's just why he died." And so for me, was I angry at God? Man, I was angry because mm. my dad was a good man, but. Mm. You know, God has a reason for everything, and mm. and and I understand I understand that now, being you know older, much older, um, that that was my dad's time, that was his time, and and he and like I say, he died like he lived, and you know I hope one day that will be me. Mm. I mean, I there's no there's no guarantees how you don't die here to say, but you know I just I I, I talk about my God to anybody. I, you know I don't I don't push him on anyone. I listen to other people about their religion, but I don't push I don't push my religion on anyone. But you ask me about how good he's been to me. Man, he's been, it's, it's nothing like it. I mean, even just talking about it, I, I can get emotional because mm. I know how good he's been. I mean, my daughter was sick about six years ago. Mm. And the, the things that he did to bring her back, we just, I just, I couldn't thank him enough. I just, oh. you just can't. So, I know how good God is, and like I say, I get emotional. I get emotional talking about it because He's a good God. He's a fair God, and and we're not perfect, and we're not worthy, but He's there all the time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's really the the kind of 
soft heart that, that God desires for us to have, to be in tune to his spirit, to be aware of his goodness, to acknowledge and worship him, uh, you know, with, with, with our lives, with our heart, with our mind, with our emotions, all of that. Um, so I, I appreciate your, your perspective and, and your heart with that. And I, I'm a, a father of a, a daughter. She's, she's only 11 months old. And so I, I know that, that bond though already, uh, sure. with a, with a father and a, and a daughter, uh, specifically, and, and so I, I don't know what of that story you, you'd be willing to share with our, our audience today, but, but would love to, to, to hear more about, you know, God's handiwork and, and what he did uh, in that situation. Well, my daughter, she one day, um, this has been about six years ago, she's 14 now, so yeah, it was about, about seven years ago. Um, all of a sudden, she just couldn't walk. I mean, that made it plain. So I was I was leaving town. I left town, and my wife she said, she said something wrong with Carrie. I think it's something wrong with her." I'm like, I mean, "What you mean?" She said, "I don't know." She said, "It's just something not right." She said, "That's what she put something not right with her." And because she was pregnant with our son, and she said, "I don't know if no, she she had our son." She said, "I don't know if she's jealous because she got Dallas, and my son's name is Dallas." So, but she said, it's "Just something not right with her." Mm. And um, I said, all right, so I said, well, keep eye on her. So she said she keeps falling. She said she keeps stumbling and falling, you know, because she was, she was tall. She was getting tall for her age. And she said she's bumping into everything and just clumsy. So um, she called me that night. She said, she said, she said, it's something really wrong with Carrie. She said, I go in the bathroom after her room. And she said she's sitting in the bathroom on the toilet, just sitting on top of it. You know, not just just sitting there. She said she's rocking back and forward. Just mm-hmm. rocking. And she said, she said, Carrie, what's wrong? She said, Mama, I don't know, but there's something wrong. I don't there's something wrong with me. And so she said she went to get up and she like she just she she was walking like she was almost like drunk. Mm-hmm. And so she said, you know, I I, I kinda kept her I said, I'm gonna keep an eye on her tonight. So the next day she got up and she said she was a little bit better, but then she went outside, she fell and, and busted her lip and said, and then she was enough for that. It was just a mess. So I came back, I came back in town, came back and uh, took her to a neurologist. And the neurologist said, well, we're not sure, but uh, she said something wrong. She said she's something wrong. Uh, she said she got any medication. I said, no, she wasn't taking no medication. I'm like, that hadn't gotten, gotten into anything. So we went, put us over, we went over to UCLA Medical Center, put us at UCLA, and uh, we waited there for four or five hours in, in, in the waiting room forever. And finally, they got us into a room. Uh, they did some evaluations on her, and they weren't. They still didn't know. They, they didn't know. But a buddy of mine mm. that I played against, named Roy Green, he, and I told him about it. He said, "What?" He said, "I said, yeah, man." He said something. He said, "He said my daughter had that." I said, "What?" He said, "My daughter had it where it was called." Cerebellum ataxia, oh. where it attacked her cerebellum. It was, it was like a, like an autoimmune disorder. But she said that's what her is what they think it was. They said she came back. They said it took about a year, but say but she back to normal. I said really. So that gave me a little bit of ease. But you know, it just they they did tests, they did MRIs, and, and they didn't see anything wrong with her cerebellum. So now they go in and she got you know tumor, brain cancer, anything like that. None none of that. So my wife, she uh, she kept looking for for, for different doctors because UCLA. She'd been in and out of UCLA, like she stayed there for like three, four months back home for like a month, back in four, four, three, four months back home. Man, it was just wearing on us. So then we we found.
found a doctor over at Children's Hospital, LA Children's, that said he'd seen it, he knew something about it, and they tried this steroid mix of a chemical steroid and IBIG. They tried that, and it was it was it was it was it was working, but she still wasn't, wasn't happy. So, like I said, shows how good God is. I called my friend Chris Lavio. I said, Chris, I said, but she saw a doctor. My wife saw a doctor. She said, this is the doctor I want to see. She said, this is the guy. Because she was reading everything. She said, he, he talks about what Carrie has. So I called my friend Chris. He said, like, I told you about uh, that hospital. He said, man. He said, I know the, the guy who runs it. He said, let me call him. I'm going to have him call you. So he called, and the guy called me, the, the, the administrator of the hospital. Zahari is his name. He called me. He said, Eric, he said, what's going on? So I kind of told him. He said, well, how did you hear about the hospital. I said, well, you know, Chris told me, Coach told me about it, but then she said, my, my wife read about the doctor. He said, he said, he's a great doctor. He said, it's a year waiting list. He said, but, and I just, man, and I, I hate to be that kind of guy. He said, but I'll get you right in. He said, i get you in this week. Sure enough, uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's like I saying, my son, my father, you know. So sure enough, he got us in. Doctor did the evaluation on her. They said they've seen it. But they don't have a name for it, just to show you just how rare it was. But he said it happens mostly in girls from age, I think he said from age 7 to 14. Oh. And he said it's the severest case he's seen what happened to a little girl, and they couldn't get her back. They had to put her in a home because she, she, she couldn't walk, she couldn't function. And she didn't know she didn't know her parents anymore. And that's what was happening to Carrie. I mean, oh. it was the same. My daughter's name is Carrie. It was like you would talk to her, and she would just be spaced out. It's like Carrie. And she wouldn't. And so, man, it was getting scary. So finally, uh-huh. they got on this this uh, this the drug, the same thing, IDIG, and the doctor monitored. And, and I mean, I gotta say, they did they did they did a great job. But it came to a point where she said Carrie was getting a lot better. I mean, and imagine having to stick an IV in a in a six or seven year old's uh-huh. arm or hand. That was that was that was hard. I mean, that, and that was hard to watch. And it mm. heartbreaking having to hold her down and. You know, try to you know, touch you screaming and crying. Why you let him do this to me? Oh. And it was it was, it, was, it was tough. And then, and I won't forget one of the one of the days that was really bad when this is when she was kind of going through it. And we was sitting at the, she was sitting at the table, and I'm watching her eat a cookie, and she's shaking really bad. Oh. She cookies going everywhere. She she looked over her shoulder and said, "Dad, I'm trying not to waste it." I said, "Baby, don't even worry about it." And I just walked out and broke down. That's when oh. I just I was like, "Man, this is this is hard." But you know, like I say, thank God. You know, after, you know, the treatment, probably about after less than a year, uh, we'd go, we'd take her every other week to stay in the hospital with her. And by, by, probably about seven months, Penny said, I'm not taking her back. She said, she's well. She said, I can tell she's well. She said, I'm not taking her back. So she talked to the doctor. Well, if you think so, well, you know, we don't recommend it. But if you think she's well, it's your daughter. And there's another lady doctor said, I, your mother, your mom, I understand. That's how you feel. If something happens, you bring her back. And I can say, man, she's been perfect for the last seven years so like i say god is good i know how i know how he blessed us and how we beg and cry for him to to, to heal our daughter and, and i was i was in the car i was in the car mm-hmm. one day and i won't forget and i then i'll stop she was telling me this is she was going through an illness and now she's at the hospital and she said dad i just hate my new life i said baby i said this is not going to be your new life i said remember i told you this i said god is going to heal you so about three years later, we were in the car taking her to school. I think she's about ten then. We laughing and talking. I, I I like to tell her stories, tell her tell her jokes and tell her stories. And she's laughing. And I said, Carrie, I'll tell you like your new life. She laughed. She said, uh-huh. You're right. She said, That wasn't my life. I said, I said, I told you that wasn't gonna be your life. So, 
you know, that's that's wow. that's that's how God has blessed us. So I just I like I didn't mind sharing that. Yeah. Oh man, I appreciate you sharing that, and uh, it just sounds so difficult and heartbreaking to go through. But I'm thankful to hear that you're able to look back, see God's goodness, see His power through all of that. Uh, anything else as far as going through that that you you learned or or ways that that you grew in your faith by going through that? Well, you know, I, I think you know I've always had faith, you know, but but that you know that it, it, faith can put your your faith to the test, and that put our faith faith to the test for sure. I mean, you know, you always believe, and I was a believer that that he would heal her, mm. and you know, even if he didn't, I still would be a believer. I yeah. mean, I still trust in him because you know everybody doesn't come out. I mean, you have parents who who lose their children, you know, and they still believe in God. But you know, for me, it just made my faith that much stronger. stronger. Uh, I've seen in my life the things that he's done. I've, I've asked, like I say, you ask and you shall receive. I've asked because I've, I've needed help with mm-hmm. things, certain things. I won't forget I was going through a financial crisis at one point. People, you know, I hate to say you got all these people who do things for you to steal money. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was going, I was going through it, man. And, and I asked him to, to, to help me. And I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. I was playing golf. And it was it was a couple of it was it was a it was a big group of guys that had money in this deal, and we were gonna lose the money. And I kept saying, I'm not losing my money. Mm. I said, I don't believe it. I said, I'm telling you. I said, God ain't gonna let me let that happen to me. And it was three guys that stood with me, and one of them said, Eric. He said, If you believe it, he said, He said, I, I believe it too. Mm. And another guy said, Man, he said, Eric. I said, I, I, If you, you say you got that much faith, I believe it. Everything was looking grim. And I'm at the golf course, and I won't forget. And I was, you know, just you know, you stressed, out, worried, and just like, man. I cannot believe this happened. And something, because I had kept the Bible on my phone. And just before I went to hit the ball, it said, open your Bible on your phone. And it, went, it popped open to Isaiah 41, 10, 10 through 14. It says, I am thy God. Do not fear. I will help thee. Do not be fearful. And when I read that passage right there, I mean, it said, open your, that's when I knew. I said, it's going to be all right. And I got to say Man, did it work out? It worked out in my favor, in our favor, all three of us. Wow. All three of ours, it, it worked out. So, you know, like I said, I know God is there. I know he's real. I know he's good. I know his goodness. You know, I know his mercy. So that, those, are just, those are just a few of my stories. And, and I just I just thank God that I get a chance to, to praise him and give him the glory. Amen. Amen. Well, Eric, man, I'm so thankful that, that you're willing to to join me today to share those stories and, and such uh, just an encouragement to me to uh, to be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness. And I could sit here and share all my, my stories as well, just just seeing how real and how powerful and how good God is and the, the answered prayers and sometimes the unanswered prayers that I look back, and I'm thankful for those as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's so important that we do look back and share. And so I'm thankful that you, uh, you use your platform to encourage people as well. And so keep, keep posting those, uh, Bible verses on, on Twitter as well. So I appreciate you doing that. And, uh, I guess final question as we wrap things up. So hopefully we'll, we'll have this NFL season and and who knows what's going to all look like, but just as far as how the Rams look on paper or your kind of perspective on the LA Rams, how are you feeling about the team at this point? Well, you know, I'm, I think it's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, we lost quite a few players on offense and defense. I mean, I know losing Todd Gurley to me was a big loss. You know, we lost Dante Powell on defense. So we lost a lot of guys on defense, uh, special teams. Um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. And, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm just going to be honest. I yeah. really don't know. I don't know how good we can be. I'm just not sure. I mean, I know we're in the NFC West. It's a hard division. 
Uh, we see Allen, San Francisco. I would like to say that we could win eight if, if we have, if we have a season. Yeah, win nine football games, but I think it's going to be tough, and it's going it's going to come down to how we start. Football is a, it's, a, it's a game of inches. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, an inch here, the ball goes through through the uprights. Uh, a fumble here, a pass that's chipped, that's caught for a touchdown, a pass that's missed. You know, all that goes into effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year we could have easily been 11 and 5, but I think we wound up, we ended up 9 and 7, 8 and 8. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough season. I really, I really believe that. But I was going to have a football season. I think that's what it comes down yeah. to. I just, me personally, I don't think they can do it. Mm-hmm. I hope they can. I just don't see how. I just don't yeah. see no way that you can play. A full 16-game season, forget the preseason, 16-game season without having someone get sick. And I don't mean just one team. I'm talking about, you know, several teams, yeah. several guys. Just, just the only one to lose their lives. That's what it comes down to. I know. and They just can't set it up like the NBA with the bubble because, you know, they've done all those, mm-hmm. tested for those tests for those NBA guys, and apparently n- none have it right now. Um, and then they're right all, now. yeah, well, and that's part of it too, but yeah, with the NFL spread out and oh, so many guys, it's, it's tricky. So we'll see, we'll see, but thankfully, uh, with all the uncertainty, we, we know for certain that, that God is, is good and he loves us. And so thanks for, for reminding us of that today here on unpacking it. And I uh, really appreciate you joining us, Eric. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you. Awesome. So there's Eric Dickerson joining us here on unpacking it. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. So we're back in studio to unpack that powerful, encouraging conversation with Eric Dickerson. And that was a real treat for me because... Having a guy like Eric, his caliber, his status in sports, uh, that, that's a, that's a big-time player right there. And to have him on and then not really talk football, and he's you know concerned about the upcoming season, but to hear real-life stories, what God's done in his life, that, that's awesome. And so I hope as a listener you enjoyed hearing that, and, 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 and that's – you know that's my goal with this show is, is to have unique conversations because you know Eric Dickerson's been interviewed countless times and, and you can I, I used to watch him on Speak for Yourself all the time um, on Fox Sports and great analyst and you can hear him you know talk about sports and talk about his career and and all that sort of thing but but to be able to hear about the dream that he had that changed his life and and, and brought him you know back to the Lord and to to hear the the, the heartbreak of of him watching his daughter go through what she went through that that's just encouraging stuff it really is especially to you know hear from a guy like Eric Dickerson who's who's one of the best running backs of all time he goes through the same stuff that that we go through you know he you know he's got this sweet house (laughs) out in California but but I can relate because we we just moved into a, a different house in town and and it's it's awesome for us for, for where we're at in life, and I'm so thankful for it. And you, know, you walk around the, the house, and you, you're just filled with thankfulness. And I don't deserve it or whatever, but, but you can appreciate it and enjoy it. It's just a house that ultimately becomes a home. 
Uh, but I appreciate his story sharing about that because I think sometimes, it, especially for his story, and it's he set out for that, and to see that dream come true is is really cool. Um, and so I think we can probably relate to that in some way. Uh, you know, just pursuing something and, and seeing God work in our circumstances and in our story, our unique story, ways that God shows up, and to continue to go back to him or point back to him when we're sharing our stories. So I think it's important to share those stories and to to give God all the glory and to have that that heart of appreciation. So so you listen to Eric Dickerson and there is a a genuineness to him to his faith and he willing to admit, "Hey, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together." And and I think that's rare sometimes. I think it's easy for us when we we do follow Jesus. We're we're worried about acknowledging the the ways that we fall short, and and we still struggle in, in areas of of weakness that that we have. It's hard for us to to be vocal about that. Um, we want to put on the front. We want to put on the masks and and that kind of thing. Um, but it's refreshing to hear you know, someone like Eric talk about God the way that he does in such a real, genuine, appreciative, worshipful way, while also saying, yeah, I've made mistakes. I've, you know, explaining the season of life where he was struggling. He walked away from his faith and he was angry with God when, when his dad died. And, and those are, that's real. That we experience that whether we admit it or not, we're, we've gone through those seasons and maybe you're, you're there right now. So you can relate to that. So I hope that that was encouraging uh, to to hear. I thought the, the 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 part where he was just talking about if you go ask his son, hey, can I can I come check out the house? And and the son on on his behalf uh, would let the you know the person come see his house. And that's what we have through Jesus. Jesus is our advocate. He stands in our our place. And so when God the the Father sees us, he sees Jesus. So he doesn't see all of our brokenness anymore. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Jesus becomes, he's the sacrifice. He's, he's the one, his righteousness then becomes our righteousness. And, and how amazing is that? And, and how, gosh, how appreciative I, I am for that, that, that Jesus on my behalf opens up the door for me to be able to access my Heavenly Father, the Creator of the world, the All-Powerful, the Almighty, God of the universe. And so we have access through Jesus. It's it's powerful stuff. So um man, I'm I'm uh I'm recording this fresh off the interview. I jumped right in to uh to talk. So I'm I'm still whew, just yeah, just soaking it all in. So that's that's the real that's my real uh, real response, just soaking in Eric Dickerson today. And and so I, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Would love to know your thoughts. You can send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. You can shoot me a text or on Twitter. Uh, would love to hear from you and, and greatly appreciate your support and, and greatly appreciate your uh, feedback and, and responses. Uh, always appreciate if you leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's helpful as well. You can rate and review. And be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks to Eric Dickerson. 
We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.